Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. I am the host, the director of broadcasting and communications with the Gladiators, Mike Folta. Uh, we thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Amazon, wherever you're listening in from. Uh, leave us a review, a rating. We'd love to hear from you on how we're doing. For team info, uh, you can go to the team website at atlantagladiators.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ATL gladiators as well today is tuesday december 21st the holidays are on the way the gladiators have two more games before the little christmas break here the glads play tonight here tuesday in orlando then they play in jacksonville uh, on wednesday so tomorrow both of those games at seven o'clock the game tonight here is actually teddy bear toss night in orlando and so uh, when the Solar Bears score their first goal, if they score a goal, um, but they will throw teddy bears onto the ice. It's gonna always a kind of a a fun event there to benefit either local hospitals or local charities or both. And uh, pretty much every team in the ECHL does it. The Glads have theirs coming up in early February, so definitely gonna want to make it out to Gas South Arena for that game. And then Wednesday, so tomorrow's game against the Jacksonville Iceman, that is gonna be Derek Nesbitt's. 1,000th career game. Uh, so 1,000 professional hockey games for Derek Nesbitt. That is coming up on Wednesday. Unfortunately, it comes on the road. Uh, the Gladiators are planning to celebrate Nesbitt's 1,000th game later uh, once the Glads eventually make it back home here. Atlanta in the middle of a seven-game road stretch right now. Six of these uh, road games are in the state of Florida, but... Uh, once the Glads make it back home, uh, plans will be arranged for uh, us to be able to celebrate Derek Nesbitt's 1,000th uh, career professional game. Uh, this is his ninth year with the Gladiators. He's been in Atlanta really since 2015, so he is as much a part of the Atlanta hockey community as anyone, and, and he is accomplishing a huge feat on Wednesday night. So pretty cool stuff coming up there for Derek Nesbitt, but Let's kind of break down where the Glads are at right now. Atlanta sitting right in the middle of the South Division. They are in fourth place. Uh, they have an 11-11 and two record. They are right at 500 with 24 points on the season. And tonight they'll be taking on the team in third place in the South. That is Orlando. And then on uh, Wednesday they take on Jacksonville. That's the uh, the now first place team in the South Division. So some pretty big opportunities here coming up for. The Glads to take a couple of points here against uh, some teams that are ranked higher than them in the South Division table. The Gladiators are coming off of three games last week against the Florida Everblades. They went 1-2-0 and against Florida. So the Glads fell 3-1 on Wednesday. They won 2-1 on Friday. And then Atlanta came out kind of flat. They gave up three power play goals on Saturday and lost that game 5-1. Uh, some updates roster-wise, we had uh, Hugo Waugh and Cameron Kiley both get called up to the AHL and the Belleville Senators. Kind of an awkward situation for them. We'll get to that here in our seg- send segment coming up. Uh, but Waugh and Kiley, who had been two of the better offensive players, they leave uh, to take the next step uh, up to the AHL. And so the Glads had to bring in some some guys kind of quickly there to, to fill those spots. Atlanta also dealing with a couple of injuries. Anthony Florentino is uh, now on IR. Greg Campbell missed uh, a couple games there uh, in Florida for Atlanta. He got hit on Wednesday pretty hard. We expect him back pretty soon here. 
Uh, Mike Turner missed a game as well. Tyler Cobrin had been out for a couple games. He'll be making his way back uh, along with Turner. But the Glads had to fill some gaps there. They brought in Matt Harrington, uh, who was essentially a rental player for a weekend there. Harrington came in and, and played extremely well. He was actually a Florida native, so he was just an hour away uh, from where the Gladiators were playing the Everblades last week. They brought Harrington in. He got an assist in his first game uh, on Friday. Uh, they also brought down Aaron Ryback. Ryback was in the SPHL with the Birmingham Bulls. He had been with the team in training camp, with Atlanta that is. Uh, and so head coach Jeff Pyle made it a point to bring Aaron Ryback uh, back into the fold. And then uh, Carlos Fornaris as well. The Gladiators traded for his ECHL rights. They got him over from Worcester. Fornaris had played a couple of games with the Worcester Railers. Uh, hadn't seen a ton of playing time, but then was able to mix in uh, to a, the handful of games against the Everblades last week. We haven't even mentioned yet who our guest is. Uh, we've already mentioned his name, but we do have Aaron Ryback on the podcast here this week. A really fun talk with Ryback about his journey, you know, kind of through Sweden and how he's a, he was a golf player and a hockey player in college, but a fun talk with him. And that's coming up here in just a little bit. But first, let's get into, get into our Sens segment this week. Uh, in our Sens segment, we give updates on the NHL and the AHL affiliates of the Gladiators. Of course, that's the Ottawa Senators in the NHL and the Belleville Senators, or the B-Sens, in the American Hockey League. Uh, the Ottawa Senators are kind of on hold right now. They've had three games postponed, uh, one against Boston, one against St. Louis, and one against Carolina. The... Senators are shut down basically until after the holidays. COVID cases have been kind of running around the NHL. It actually was a big issue for Ottawa earlier in the season, and it really hampered the Senators. They lost a few games, uh, lost a lot of games, uh, struggling through trying to fill the gaps that COVID had created in their roster for a few weeks there. But now they're starting to get some games uh, postponed, and that's, like we said, going all across the league. Teams are not allowed to cross the U.S.-Canada border until after Christmas. Uh, it's been announced that players are not, uh, NHL players are not going to be heading to the Olympics. A big part of that is because if they test positive, they would be stuck in China for an extended period uh, of time. And so, uh, really, it just doesn't make sense for NHL players to be uh, to be heading anywhere overseas. Um, because they would be potentially missing a lot of time with their NHL clubs. So uh, the time that is that was going to be dedicated to that Olympic break is now expected to be uh, dedicated to filling in these games that are being postponed as we speak right now. But uh, with all the postponements and everything that's being put on pause in the NHL, the Senators are still second to last in the Atlantic Division, so second to last out of eight teams there, only ahead of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Senators are 13 points out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. They did lose their last two. They lost to the Philadelphia Flyers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, but both of those losses were both one-goal uh, deficits. And before those two losses, the Sens had won five of six. So it looks like Ottawa might be starting to turn things around a little bit. They're playing uh, some pretty good hockey, and when they're losing, they're losing close. So we'll see if... Ottawa could kind of maintain this little bit of momentum that they've created. And if they can hang on to this until after Christmas while we have all of this time off here. 
Uh, we also want to mention the Belleville Senators. That's the AHL team that's affiliated with the Gladiators. Uh, Belleville has had a number of games postponed as well. In fact, their last four have all been uh, put on pause. They had a game tonight against the Utica Comets postponed. Uh, up in Ontario, they, they're dealing with reduced fans. Uh, that's because of the government of Ontario. That's not necessarily because of the teams and their directives. That's just the Canadian government uh, that is uh, making teams and venues reduce their capacity uh, for games. But the next scheduled game for Belleville is not until the 26th of December. That's against the Toronto Marlies. Everything until then has been postponed. We mentioned it was kind of awkward for Hugo Waugh and Cameron Kiley. Both of those guys had been with Atlanta, had been playing well. They get called up to the AHL, and before they can appear in a game, at least in this stint, uh, they get all these games postponed. So they have not seen any action since their most recent call-up. But that concludes our Sens segment for this week. We do want to bring you our interview with Aaron Ryback. But before we do, let's make sure we thank our good friends and our partner, Orthosport and Spine Physicians. Orthosport and Spine Physicians is now the official team doctor of the Gladiators, as well as the naming partner for the Glad's Home Ice. Orthosport and Spine Physicians specializes in providing state-of-the-art, minimally invasive treatments for complex neck and spine problems, as well as sports-related injuries and conditions. They also serve patients who travel to their office from other areas in the southeast and throughout the country. Let them help you get back in the game. And now, Aaron Ryback. And now we welcome on to the Atlanta Gladiators podcast, a newly signed forward here with the Glads, Aaron Ryback. Uh, Aaron, thanks for coming on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you joined the team in the middle of a road trip uh, down in Florida. First of all, I, I kind of want to hear what that uh, what that story was like, you getting to the team, because I know that was a bit of an adventure. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty wild 24 hours. I found out um, Thursday night right before getting to a team meeting in Birmingham, and then... Uh, yeah, it was an early flight out of Birmingham to Atlanta, quick turnover to Newark, had a little bit of a layover there, and then got down to uh, Fort Myers and had a little bit of an issue getting some luggage and getting to the <laughs> rink, but, you know, got there 12 minutes before puck so drop. are so. you just sitting there 12 minutes before puck drop? Yeah. Okay, so this would have been the Friday game or the Friday, Wednesday? Friday game. Okay, the Friday game when... Uh, the Gladiators are taking on the Everblades. So you yep. get there 12 minutes before puck drop. So yep. no, obviously no morning skate for you, but no like warm-up skate really. Yeah, no, I had a, a quick hot lap when we got out there and then the anthem and um, just the first few media timeouts got on the ice, tried stretching, uh, you know, just tried hyping myself up to be my own warm-up and then, yeah, right into the game, which so, was nice because I didn't have a lot of time to think. So right. it was pretty like almost pretty relaxing going into my first East Coast game. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other element of it, too, is that this is your first ECHL game. You said you were with Birmingham mm -hmm. uh, down the Bulls. I I'm curious, when you're at baggage claim uh, in, where was it, Fort Myers, mm -hmm. like, are you just, like, tapping your foot, waiting for that stuff to come down the chute? Oh, yeah. Like, I was trying to get as close to the belt as I could, just so I could grab it and run outside and try and catch an Uber. And then, uh, yeah, I was actually at the wrong belt our entire plane was they like switched it midway through because they realized they had screwed up what luggage was coming out where so I had to jump to the next one and then my bag came out first and then I was kind of waiting a little bit I was like hey where are my sticks where are my sticks then they came out so yeah I grabbed it all jetted out the door got an uber and then you know it's only I think it's like six miles from the airport to the rink and it took about 35 minutes oh to my gosh. point a to point b but 
it was a little stressful, but once uh, once we got to the rink and then Trent ran out and met me and just ran into the room, saw the guys, which is nice. So most of them were here for training camp, which is pretty uh, comforting for me and an easy transition going into the game. Mm-hmm. So how quick did you get dressed then coming in for that first game? Uh, I was ready to go like th- with three minutes on the clock. So that's probably the quickest I've ever gotten ready. So nine minutes? Yeah, nine minutes, suit off, geared up, ready to go. Wow, that, that that's unreal. And, and you mentioned it was it was calming a little bit, not having to think at all because you're just mm-hmm. thrown right into the fire. But you're still traveling that whole day, so you get the call when you're in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. You're making you're you're on flights. You're in airports. Are you thinking about that first ECHL game a lot then? Um, not too much. There was uh, a few obstacles during the game that kind of took my mind off it. Um, I was de- our flight was delayed leaving Birmingham, and I only had like forty minutes between flights going uh, from Atlanta to Newark, so running over to my terminal. So you're so dialed on just getting to the right, oh, yeah. just the right gates to, and stuff. I was making sure I wasn't missing a flight. That was, like, my main goal. And then um, getting to Newark, um, I had to change terminals, leave the airport, go through TSA again. So, yeah, just making sure I got to the gate in time to get on the plane was my, uh, my biggest concern. And then, yeah, getting to the rink seeing that it helps that I was here for training camp and knowing a bunch of the guys um, previously. So that transition going from frantically getting ready to jumping on the ice was, uh, it was calming and an easier transition than it would have been had I gone somewhere else where I didn't really know anyone. So you mentioned you were in training camp, but these were your first few ECHL games. Mm -hmm. How did you think that they went? Uh, I think pretty well. Uh, First night, uh, I just tried to keep it really simple. Um, you know, coach put me in there uh, a few times each period, so it was good to get an adjustment into it. And then going into Saturday night, um, played a little bit more, um, was a little more adjusted to the speed. It's a little bit of a speed difference between the SP and into coming up to the East Coast. And um, no, I thought I did well. Uh, used my size a little bit, tried to throw the weight around, got pucks deep, uh, tried to keep it clean at the line. So. Just trying to build off that this weekend moving forward. You mentioned the the speed difference. That's kind of you know what you hear any guy moving up, whether it's the SP to the ECHL, ECHL to the A, and, and then on up to the show. Aside from the speed, what would you say is the biggest difference between the, the Southern Pro League and, and then the, the ECHL? Um, I think the biggest difference, the way the puck moves around the ice. Um, decisions are made a little bit quicker. You have to be more on cue to what's going on around you and to where you're trying to advance the puck. Um, there's a lot more thinking ahead of where the puck is going to be rather than focusing on where it is currently. Um, is so, that a result of systems or is that just guys being smarter with the puck? Yeah, I think it's just, uh, I think it's just a little bit smarter with the puck as the biggest thing. Most of the systems are pretty, pretty similar. Um, you know, four checks, D zone, neutral zone and stuff. So, um, yeah, just getting the puck up ice and, you know, making us making safe plays with it rather than trying to risk it, I guess is probably the biggest uh the biggest difference that i've kind of seen well now you're up here with the gladiators like you said you did start with the team in training camp and at that point you're basically like trying out for the team like you're literally on a tryout deal you're you're trying to compete to make a spot what was your mindset i guess heading into training camp so yeah uh being on a pto i kind of knew and with how many guys had already been signed i knew i was going to have to beat someone out of their job for me to stay um and it was, uh, I think I was here for 10 or 11 days, and it was a grind. It was, uh, 
mentally exhausting, um, trying to get through camp and trying to make sure I was doing as much as I could to stay. Um, thought I had a good camp. Uh, coach thought the same thing. And yeah, at the end of the day, went down to Birmingham, got some more pro experience in North America. Cause all I have so far has been in Europe. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm very grateful to be back and mm -hmm. just trying to do what I can to help the guys win. Now, sometimes, you know, a guy might view that tryout as an opportunity to network, to get in front of a coach, or, or even just to get in shape. But you thought you had, like, a, did, did you think you had a, a legitimate shot to make the team there at the start? Yeah, I did. I, yeah. I had a really good summer. Um, I have a great group of guys that I train with and skate with back in Winnipeg. Um, so I was very ready coming into camp. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a battle every day, like, just, you know, trying to stay out of my own mind too. Like, okay, how am I doing compared to other guys? Like you kind of right. know who's on PTO and who signed on contract. So trying not to compare, but you're always kind of comparing. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's all kind of worked out. So how, uh, how difficult is the Jeff pile of training camp? Um, it was tough. Like there was, it was up tempo. Um, we were on the ice for like an hour, hour 15. Um, but it was quick pace, not a lot of time to stop and think. It was always go, go, go. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. Mm -hmm. So how, how does it work? Maybe ex explain to me and to some of the fans, too. Do you get invited to camp? Do you or an agent reach out to, to you know, the coach, to, to Jeff Pyle? Like, like, how does that work? How do you, you know, get to be one of the ones taking part in a training camp? Yeah, so... Um, I had recently just joined um, with a new agent in Winnipeg, uh, Carson Shields, and him and his business partner and I were out on the golf course, and we were kind of talking about, okay, where are we looking at this year? What's happening moving forward? Because originally I was looking at going back to Europe, mm -hmm. um, and he, we, were on the, we were on the third hole at my course, and he goes, well, would you stay in North America? And I was like, yeah, I would, I would stay in North America. I think I'd be, you know, a different, different scenery new challenge and then from the fourth tee to walking down five fairway he's like okay you're going to atlanta on a pto did he make a call yeah in he, there? he like i guess he had sent jeff a text or an email and then he got a phone call back and it was yeah you're good to go so in a matter of like 35 minutes it went from not too sure what i'm doing to okay i've got an opportunity to make a team in atlanta well uh, how are you shooting before and then after that uh that news <laughs> uh yeah we i was three over through three and i finished 72 so fi finished a little bit better okay after the news yeah was, the uh, positive news gave yeah. me some juice then yeah exactly. so you're a bit of a stick then yeah i played I, in college i played golf as well so uh, i was two sport athlete in college and still play competitively throughout manitoba so trying to keep the uh, competitive edge of my golf game there. Man, here in the South Division, you're going to have to get out to the to the links yeah. here in Florida and, and down in Georgia. Have you been able to play at all? I mean, you haven't been in Atlanta very long here. No, but. I, I've got a couple rounds in in Birmingham, um, but I flew down, so I wasn't able to bring my sticks with me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been able to get out a couple times. There's a couple nice courses we have access to in Birmingham, so it's been good. I would imagine as a, as you know someone golfing as much as you you would have access or, or at least play on some pretty sick tracks especially up north. Um yeah in college we played in some very nice courses. Um we made a trip down to Arizona my junior year for spring break so we got to play some nice courses there a couple where they have qualifying school for the PGA tour. Um so that was really cool. 
And then, yeah, up in Manitoba, we have some very nice courses where I'm a member at Breezy Bend is a private club. Um, so I have uh, unlimited access there. And then um, in and around the city, we have like a, a men's league. We go to different courses every Monday. Um, so get to see a couple other places around the city, which are all very nice as well. Did you get into hockey and golf at the same time then, or did one follow the other? Uh, golf was a little bit after hockey. I started skating when I was four. And I didn't start swinging a club until I think I was seven or eight. I got my first golf club from my grandfather. Okay. So that's what he was. So uh, both pretty young, but yeah, hockey first. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And you're a righty shot. Yep. Are you a right-handed golfer as well? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's interesting. So as far as the, you know, going back to college, and we'll get into the, your college career here in a little bit, but I'm curious on the golf side, did those things ever conflict? I mean, they would have had to at least a little bit, right? A little bit. We had uh, the fall golf season was from the last week of August until the first week of October. So during that time, we had captain skates for college. So I just wasn't able to go to those or to the team workouts. So I was on my own kind of workout routine during that time. And I'd skate whenever I was able to. Mm -hmm. um, and then from the end of the golf season to the official start date of hockey, there's about a week in between. Um, so then I was able to skate with the guys for a week, start working out with them, then get into the season. Um, and then obviously being in the Midwest up in Minnesota, it's kind of tough to golf in March. Yep. So when the hockey season was done, there was enough break in between where we could go. There's a couple indoor places, uh, in and around the Fargo Moorhead area where we could go get some swings in and then come April, get the spring season going. So hockey players, I know baseball players are, are known for slicing the golf ball because mm -hmm. they're hitting inside out. For hockey, are, they, are you guys hooking it a little bit more? or um, I would say What's the stereotypical error in the swing there? I would say it's more common that a hockey player you know, draws the golf ball rather than fades it um, unless they have the baseball background. Okay. So like for me, I didn't play organized baseball growing up. So my natural swing path is hitting a draw. But all my buddies that play hockey – played baseball and golf most of them hit a little bit of a, a little butter cut or yeah a slice <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah a slice um let's get back to hockey here i, I kind of want to you know track back through your career a little bit more here just going back to last year even uh when you were in sweden mm -hmm. i mean what was that experience like because a lot of guys over here in north america have never played in sweden yeah it was uh i enjoyed it a lot i was fortunate to play in three great cities um last year um Got to see quite a bit of the country. Northern Sweden is where I started. Um, it sounds cold. It wasn't too bad. I okay. was expecting a lot worse, but it was a very mild winter there last year. Um, so, yeah, started up north. Unbelievable scenery up there between, like, the hills, the mountains, the lakes and rivers. Um, and then I slowly made my way closer to Stockholm, so more along the coastline. Um slowly getting to bigger cities too yeah which was nice a little a few more things to do here and there but yeah it was take awesome. us specifically through the places that you were a little bit yeah so i started in Seleftia, um which is an hour southwest of Ornskulsvik, so that's like the hockey hotbed of sweden okay um guys like the sedin brothers um victor hedman marcus naslin peter forsberg that's where those guys are all from um, is that where they played or where they like grew up both okay grew up and played <laughs> yeah like victor hedman's played for three teams in his life and it's moto the national team in tampa 
So they have a, a very rich hockey history there. Right. Um, so yeah, I started in Celestia and I was there for about six, somewhere between six weeks and two months. Um, and then that league ended up getting shut down because uh, players' income was primarily coming from their day job, not from playing hockey. Mm-hmm. And they were tracing COVID cases back to work. So, so they just shut it down. They shut it down. Guys go to work. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then when that happened, I got called up to uh, a league called Hockey Atan, all out of Sweden, um, in Hudiksvall. And I was there for kind of kind of the same amount of time, about six weeks, two months. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this like a small town, like a medium-sized city that you're in? Yeah, then? so Sleftio is like 9,000 so People, small town. <laughs> small town, yeah. And then Hudiksvall is around 15,000, 16,000, um, right along the coastline. And so in these towns, is hockey like everything? Is the team kind of what the, that community yeah, rallies around? Yeah, hockey and soccer. soccer and soccer. soccer okay, right. like, Even in the middle of winter, they're still they're clearing off the soccer fields, and they're still playing soccer. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, with the circumstances of covid there wasn't i didn't get to experience the fan interaction mm-hmm. um but from playing there and seeing how the communities kind of come around the teams you can see that it's it's a large attraction mm-hmm. having the hockey clubs there um so yeah so then i was in hooks fall until middle of february and uh then ended up moving on to stromsbro uh in the same league and then finished the year out there so okay stromsbro is a much uh much larger city compared to where I had started. It's about a hundred thousand people, two and a half hours north of Stockholm, um, and there's kind of three towns in that area that make up the city of Yavla. Um, so yeah, tons to do, lot to see. Um, so yeah, never never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. So uh, so are these towns are they like farming communities? Are they like mining towns? Are they? I mean, so in Celestia they do uh, paper mill. Mm-hmm. Um, in Hudiksvall, I actually don't even really remember what their primary resource was there that they had. And then in Yavla, it's just, it's a travel town. So Mm. they have tons coming in for like business and travel, obviously not so much last year, which Mm. with what was going on, but, um, yeah, a lot of larger businesses are in the bigger cities. So that's where they kind of pull in their stuff from. And, um, it's a growing pretty growing city too like seeing the old old yavla to new yavla is pretty cool just a difference in architect and kind of the yeah. way of life so did you like playing over there then i loved it yeah. hockey side yeah it was awesome at first it was tough i was for the first little bit the only uh import over there so a little bit really by myself for a little bit but i had a good each team i played with i had a good group of guys that you know made sure i was always busy or had someone to hang out with so um, you know, there's a handful of guys I still talk to every day that wow. hopefully I see them again one day, but, um, like, those are all Swedish guys yeah, then. Yeah. Okay. They're all Swedish guys. So, awesome. um, yeah, it was unbelievable experience and definitely if anyone has a chance to go over there, travel or to play hockey, I highly recommend it. I'm, I'm curious about the uniforms because some of those European uh, teams over there are known for having just like the NASCAR uniforms with ads all over them, stuff oh, like yeah. that. Did you guys yeah. have that deal? Yeah. My first team um, up in Celeste, yeah, we didn't have too much advertising on our equipment. In Hoodix Fall, we were skating advertisement. 
Really? You're yeah. a billboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was awesome, though. Like, I love the look of it. It's, I think really? It's, I think it's awesome, yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, you know, you got literally from the shoulders down. Like, we even had advertising on our socks. Did you know anything that was, like, being represented? Were they, like, American, like, global companies, I guess? Or, or were they, like, more local it was brands? More, yeah, more local, more mm-hmm. Swedish. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and Stromsbro, same thing. We had tons of advertising on our jersey, too, so... And there's no chance you speak Swedish, right? No, I gave it a very solid effort too. <laughs> really? But it's uh, try to get a little Rosetta Stone in there. Yeah, I had in my apartment. We had a like a chalk wall, so each time one of the guys came in, they'd write a Swedish word of the day on the wall, and then what it was in English. So we'd like try and learn it. But there's even between like Southern Sweden and Northern Sweden, they say stuff differently. So if you get a just dialects, oh yeah. yeah. So you get them in the room, and then someone that doesn't speak the language, and there's nothing that there's no other language that like Swedish is built off of. So it's its own its own alphabet, or like um, um. So like French is like Latin, right? right? Okay, right. So there's there's nothing like that for Swedish. It's mm. just Swedish. so you can't use like any roots at all, right? Exactly. Okay. So yeah, I would try and say it, and then you know. The guy from northern Sweden would say it. The guy from southern Sweden would say it. And then i just get super confused. Try it the next day. And then I gave it, I'd say I gave it a 9 out of 10 to try to learn the language. Speaking-wise, couldn't do it. But uh, I, by the end of it, I was able to understand bits and pieces of what was being said in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of started off with coach addressing the team in Swedish, pulling me to the side, and kind of letting me know what he said, or at least the important parts. And, and most of those guys speak English over there. Most yeah. of them do, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, by the end of the year, I was kind of able to sit into the locker room and go through the pregame talk and know majority of things that were at least being said. And then if I did have questions, just kind of go to coach. Were there, any, were there ever any, like, big pump-up speeches from the coach where he, he was just like, or, or maybe he's mad at you guys just laying into you or, or trying to, like, fire everybody up, and you're just sitting there like, okay. Yeah, the, fir- <laughs> the first time, the first time that, he, that a coach kind of laid into us over there, obviously the room was quiet. I could tell things weren't – the game wasn't going well, so I yeah. knew what he was saying was also not going well and kind of let it sit for a couple minutes and kind of looked at the guy next to me, and I'd go, so I know this wasn't uh, – <laughs> a positive talk but <laughs> what did he say and he just kind of looked at me and laughed and was like oh this is what he said and i was like okay sounds good <laughs> it, it it comes off a little bit different when it's coming secondhand yeah but i'm oh, guessing yeah. right yeah um what was the living like over there like just the lifestyle i mean you know i, I think most guys are treated pretty well over there that, mm-hmm. that, that play pro but what was it like living like as a swedish not as a swedish citizen but you know amongst them there for that year yeah it's uh they live a very simple and green lifestyle over there um very environmentally friendly as a country so um you know there's not big expensive fancy cars there's not big mansions everyone kind of just has their living quarter and um you know if you got a family of four or family of five you kind of only have one vehicle um anything that is kind of harmful to the environment is a little more expensive Um, especially vehicles you get taxed each year for owning a vehicle so families use either a train pass or a bus pass if they're in a large enough city and then just share a vehicle amongst all of them so so how are you getting around were you biking or anything Uh, or you got some rollerblades (laughs) the first little bit uh was walking and then in Hudiksvall 
I had a vehicle. And then in Stromsbro, I had one of the guys lived across the street from me. So mm. I was able to either use his vehicle or he would just drive me to the They drive on the right side over there? Nope. Same as North America. Okay. I drive on the left side of the car right side of the road okay so you didn't have to adjust to that at no, all no no just the biggest adjustment was learning. just can't read the street signs <laughs> well that and learning <laughs> to drive manual oh uh, yeah. okay so yeah that was an, an interesting couple of weeks was that your car that you, your vehicle that you had no was... the vehicle that the team provided me oh, okay was, yeah yeah right. so yeah so most they're starting to transition now into more automatic vehicles but i'd say probably 85 percent of people drive manual over there so the first little bit was uh it was a little hectic. I got a lot of a lot of honks behind me, a couple stalls here and there, but mm-hmm. yeah, eventually got the hang of it. So, so you mentioned that you were at one point the only import, the mm-hmm. only other North American over there. Uh, did other guys eventually come over then? And like, were you joined by a couple other North Americans? Where you had some guys that you could relate to a little bit easier? Yeah. So my first team, I was the only one there for about three weeks, uh, and then another one came in from Toronto. Um, and then when I got to Hoodick's Fall, they had a kid um, that had been playing in the Ontario League for four years. Um, he was over there on loan until the OHL kind of figure out what they were going to do with sure. their season. Um, and then when I went to Stromsbro, I was the only one there. Okay. Is that pretty typical then, where it's, it's mostly Swedish guys in that league? Uh, in those leagues? Yeah. In... Yeah, in the lower in the lower Swedish leagues, it's pretty common that it's mostly just, uh, especially in the north, that it's just Swedish players. Yeah. Um, the southern divisions, you see a few more imports here and there, um, a little bit more money down there, so um, they're able to bring players across to play. But yeah, I was fortunate. It was nice to have someone else there that was kind of in yeah. my situation. It would have been. Uh, I don't think it would have been too much of a different experience if I'd been by myself the whole time, but it was nice at least having someone at the end of the day to go home and, you know, speak English with yeah. fluently and fully understand what was going on in the conversation. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, everything over there was positive and a great, great experience. I'm curious what the travel was like over there. Cause you have a lot of teams that I'm guessing are kind of concentrated in the Southern part of the country mm-hmm. over by Stockholm, but you mentioned like the Northern teams, yeah, like, are are they just way out in the mountains or like how how long are those bus rides? Yeah, there's some there's some teams up there that are pretty spread out. Um, for me, my longest bus ride I had it was around like twelve thirteen hours. We were like forty miles from the Arctic Circle, <laughs> okay. and we were there in it's like end of January, beginning of February, and it was very little sunlight, and it was like watching a time lapse. Like the sun came up at eleven thirty in the morning, and it was down by. 2 p.m. You can like see it move. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, can, you just watch it for like five minutes. You're like, yeah, we are, we are losing daylight here. <laughs> um, Do you get depressed then when that happens? Like you're in so much darkness. It was a little depressing. Uh, it took a little bit to get used to. Um, but I mean, it's something that not a lot of people get to experience. So mm-hmm. try to embrace it as much as I could. And yeah, um, I mean, it's definitely weird going to the rink in the dark getting out when it's dark or going in for pregame skate up north and it's light out and then coming out and it's dark. Yeah. That was, that was like the weirdest thing. Yeah. Probably that I encountered. Time for my pregame nap. Yeah, exactly. That was the one thing. It was easy to nap over there. Yeah. How dark it was all the time. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's great. Well, so Sweden, that was your first pro season. Let's get back uh, kind of into your college days here. Uh, you were at Concordia College mm-hmm. in Minnesota, so that's western Minnesota, right by basically North Dakota. Uh, yeah. I mean, th- there's not a ton going on out there, right? Pretty right. flat? Very flat. Oh, was that just the next, like, hockey option for you after juniors? Yeah, so I played my junior hockey. majority of it was in the North American 3 Hockey League in Alexandria. Um, so going to Divi- a Division three school was um, my best option. And I had a few schools I went and toured. Um, the thing that I liked most about Concordia, um, it was close to Alexandria. So I was able to stay close to, you know, friends that I had made in that area. Um, and then it's only three and a half hours from Winnipeg. So it was easy to, if I needed to, to get home, easy for my family to come see me. Um, so it's just in a really good location, super good school. Um, did the golf play a factor as well, or did that kind of come after you made it? No, that was kind of a little bit after. Um, I remember when I went down for my visit to Concordia and just talking about hockey, and then we got into talking about golf, and the head hockey coach was the assistant golf coach. So there like, you oh. go. And then he's so like, you oh, both like, were two-timing, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, what's your handicap? And I was like, oh, you know, haven't really played competitively all that much since high school was done, but, you know, I'm like a two, three, and he's like, oh, well. Sign you up. <laughs> come out for the golf team. So I was, uh, it was an adjustment, though. I mean, hockey was an adjustment, but the golf side of it was an adjustment, just getting back into competitive play every, literally every day. Yeah. Um, trying to get in that travel, that travel roster, and then, so it took me, took me about a semester to figure out my golf game again, and then it was, uh, it was smooth after that. But, yeah, it was uh, just kind of like my best option, I guess, that mm-hmm. I had to, for Division three hockey was to go to Concordia. So. Did you have injuries when you were there? I did. Freshman, junior year, you only played a handful of games there. Yeah, freshman year, freshman year I shattered my thumb um, our first official practice. So that welcome took, to college. Yeah, exactly. So that took me out until the new year. And then my junior year, I had an elbow injury. Um, I think it was like three or four games into the season that ended up taking me out for quite a while. So once those healed up, then it was uh, then it was good to go. Now, uh, North Dakota State is is right there. What is that? Just right across the river. Right across then? the river. Yeah, yeah. Um, they only have a club team mm-hmm. over there. Did you guys ever like play them, scrimmage them? No, we never did. We ended up. Uh, we did get a player from them though, as a transfer, um, and he originally was going into engineering. He played in the North American Hockey League for two years in Aberdeen. Um, really good player and was just at NDSU doing engineering. He would only play home games. I think he had like 30 points in 10 games. And so he came over. Part-time to, player. Yeah, exactly. And he came over to us and was an All-American his first year. Jeez. And, uh, he's playing his final season at Concordia right now. And I think in the first, probably in the first couple of weekends after Christmas, he'll hit 100 career points. So he's Not a bad. player. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good for a guy that. Well, nice little feeder program there. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Uh, how would you compare, like, Division three college hockey? And it's a little different in hockey because there's not really Division two, mm-hmm. or it's not very big. So mm-hmm. it's kind of Division one, and then you have a lot of good Division three teams. And there's a lot of guys in the ECHL that are Division three guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how would you compare the Division three college game to the ECHL after having played in Sweden, having played in juniors, and then college and pro? 
Yeah, I would say um, playing Division three to then going to Sweden, coming here. Obviously, playing in Sweden on bigger ice is it's a much different game than playing in North America. Um, but I think the way the game's played in college hockey as a whole is kind of very similar to how the game has been played that I've seen in the East Coast uh, so far. Um, it's obviously a little bit different, only having three lines. You got four in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, playing in the Minnesota Conference in Division Three, a lot of heavy hockey, um, some weights being thrown around, good skill players, kind of a good mix of you know, heavy and skilled hockey there, which is kind of what I've seen a little bit here in the East Coast so far. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, like you said, there are a lot of D3 players that are playing in the East Coast and um, a few guys that I have played with playing here kind of saying the same thing. Like, hey, it's a lot, it's very similar to college hockey. Mm-hmm. If you kind of play the way you did in college, you should be okay going uh, going into the East Coast, but... Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, Aaron, we are certainly glad to have you here in the ECHL and then with the Gladiators as well, and we wish you best of luck the rest of the way here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Great to talk with Aaron there. Pretty crazy story about how he first uh, joined the Gladiators for his first ECHL game coming in, uh, coming in hot right before that, that opening puck drop. But uh, we will see uh, Aaron and the Gladiators tonight in Orlando against the Solar Bears. Kind of interesting here, Orlando has a number of guys on the commissioner's exempt list. That is uh, basically what the league calls the list of guys that are out uh, typically with COVID-related concerns. And so Orlando, they actually won on Sunday against Tulsa, but they were very shorthanded. They basically played three guys down. And so we'll see if Atlanta tonight can take advantage of kind of a depleted Solar Bears roster that is getting uh, pieces added to it daily here, um, similar to what Atlanta was going through in Florida. But the Gladiators have the Solar Bears here tonight in Orlando, and then they take on the Jacksonville Icemen uh, tomorrow night. That's Wednesday in Jacksonville. That will be Derek Nesbitt's 1,000th professional game. Uh, so you're definitely going to want to tune into that. And if you want to listen or watch, you can listen on Mixler. Uh, that's online radio. The link is in the uh, Gladiators website, top right corner. You have a little listen live link. Uh, that's also tweeted out before every game. And if you want to watch, you can watch on flowhockey.tv. And that subscription allows you to watch any game in the ECHL. You can go back and watch old games. And you'll be hearing me on the broadcast as well. So who wouldn't? Uh, want to <laughs> tune in there. Uh, but we have Orlando at 7 here tonight, and then we also have Jacksonville at 7 tomorrow night. That's all going down on the Gladiators Broadcast Network. We will see you next Tuesday right here on the Atlanta Gladiators Podcast. Gladiators Podcast.